Welcome to From the Heart with Daniel Groom and Don Lister of Anahata Yoga Centre based in Lee-on-Sea, Essex, United Kingdom. Today we are joined by Julia Davis. Julia Davis is the founder of the Yoga Teachers Forum, which can be found on both Instagram and Facebook. She's also the owner of Finchley Yoga, a community yoga studio based in Finchley in London. She's the mother of two and the owner of, uh, or maybe the owner of a dog and cat um, and a partner. So welcome, Julia. It is thrilling to have you here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Before we start our podcast, we always have a chat and um, sometimes the chat's almost more interesting than the podcast. So I think we should start recording our chats because we've covered everything from sea swimming, lake swimming, dipping, menopause, menopause. Yoga in the yellow pages, yoga on community boards, you name it. We've talked about it all, everything, everything. It's all, it's all been there. So that was it. That was in ten minutes. <laughs> that was in ten minutes. Maybe we should, maybe we should record them into like an off cut. So what are they called when they do that? What's, what's that called when they? Like the bloopers. The bloopers. bloopers. We need a podcast blooper. So anyway, welcome, Julia. Lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you. I think the On Being podcast does that. They've got the On Being long version and then they've got the short version, which has been beautifully edited. So you could do that. You could do an unedited and an edited version of your podcast if you wanted to. I'm not doing any editing. It's not happening. But I'm liking your, I like the idea of a shorter one, a long one. I can barely press record and turn off. So editing's never going to happen. I mean, if it was down to me, it wouldn't be online because how do you get online? I thought someone told me recently. This is this is the truth. Someone to, I thought that the cloud was an actual cloud, so that when our stuff was stored, it somehow was made virtual and went into the ether. I genuinely thought this was what was happening, and my husband told me recently. He said, "No, everything that goes in the cloud goes into great big things under the ocean to keep them cool in these great big rooms. That's where all, all our data is stored." So, I, I mean, I, I'm so stupid around technology. I, I genuinely thought everything on my phone was floating around in the ether somewhere and that, you know, that's where it was going to stay forever. So, no, we're not editing the podcast. It can't happen. Okay. Anyway, getting back to the point, why are we here? Daniel, how are you? I am well, thank you. Um, it's lovely to be here today. Um, we were just talking about outdoor swimming. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I went for a swim in the sea this morning, which is my first one this year. So um, I'm kind of, I've had the really kind of hyper bit where my nervous system was kind of shocked and I'm kind of on the come down a little bit now. So I'm feeling a little bit tired. <laughs> so you might hear me yawning a little bit, but um, it was a great experience. Um, it was pretty cold. I stayed in for a minute. Um, which I felt was very brave of me, considering that I don't like getting cold in any way, shape or form. And then um, I'm not sure if anyone listening is is acquainted with Westcliff, but I, I bought this massive, great big jumper that looks like a big duvet, basically, to put on after and walked back to my car and bumped into someone that I know and they didn't even bat an eyelid that I was out in a dressing gown in the middle of the day, soaking wet. <laughs> I didn't say a thing. You fit right in in Westcliff, Daniel. You were probably overdressed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just looked like I was going to Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so funny, two little areas right next to each other. I live in Leon C and you live on Westcliff and they're, they're like chalk and cheese. I just think Westcliff's far more interesting than Leon C. It's just got such a more uh, wider cross-section of the population and they've got far better fashion sense. Definitely. That's no, very true. Well, Julia, you know Westcliff, don't you? You've... I do. My partner's um, grandparents are from there, so he used to spend a lot of time going to there and he remembers going to the arcade when he was a little lad so uh yeah lovely i told you my dog would join us oh already <laughs> no westcliff is you. westcliff is is a it's a real diverse place to live and it's what i, I love living there you know it, it, the, the london road that kind of goes through the heart of westcliff you can literally buy anything that you want on the london mm-hmm. road you know from highly illegal things to you know a bag for your hoover or you know some kind of um spices from far away that you could never get in like tesco's or sainsbury's anywhere you know it's just the most random shops but you know intriguing and just keeps it keeps it fresh keeps it interesting so yeah i'm a fan i won't be moving to lee dawn unfortunately <laughs> i'd move to westcliff except that the houses are a wee bit closer together and if if i could i'd like more space rather than less space Definitely, that would be, but yeah, West Cliff, West Cliff is cool. So what have you been up to, Julia? How has your week been panning out for you? I was just thinking about kind of the, the how are you and how are you doing um, question. And I kind of, when I'm asked that question, I kind of think, well, where am I in my cycle? So I'm day four in my menstrual cycle, so still in my bleed. So that's kind of a time when I can feel a little bit more tired um and i've noticed it's spring equinox so that also kind of impacts on me and um i can really notice the changes in the seasons so in the last week we have a couple of birthdays as well around that time so i'm even more aware of it the difference in between the way that it, it kind of looks in the trees around us in the last week or so even compared to the week before the color that's out the 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 transformation that occurs that kind of affects me too and the light as well in the last few weeks it's it's so much lighter it like where i you know we're we're all in the kind of same hemisphere it's light by kind of about five six in the morning so i'm kind of really noticing the change in the season and also it it feels like it's been a very long time. So we haven't had kind of a natural break for a holiday since, I mean, I kind of, I've always gone kind of with term time. So really since kind of October, there was like a week in October. I can't even remember whether we were allowed out then. Um, but having had the whole kind of Christmas period, even though I might not have been working as much, not as a break, really, I've re- I'm really aware of, the amount of time, effort and energy I've put into life recently. And um, I'm actually giving myself a break from teaching for a good couple of weeks from the end of this week because I need and I'm lucky enough to be able to give myself a bit of a bit of breathing space. Um, so, you know, there's, there's also kind of a lot of um, consciousness around the anniversary of the year that we've had of the anniversary of lockdown. And I'm. Um, I'm really aware of that um, and, and emotionally that's got, you know, that's got some real heart and you know, I feel really high about some of it. I think, wow, where, have, you know, where have we come coping with this? And then there's also kind of, we're still here. 
that kind of feeling too. So I guess there's a lot um, uh, going on. And I think it's interesting when, when we check in in, our, in my classes, it's kind of we check in and it takes a while because sometimes you go, how are you doing? And you're like, I have no idea. I just need to breathe a second to, to think about, you know, to feel into it. And actually I was doing that outside kicking a football around with my dog um, before we came on the co- podcast, just thinking, well, how do I feel? How am I? Um, it's not, it's never, even though I've just talked about it for five minutes, it's actually never really that easy a question for me to answer. I often have to sit down and be with myself to notice how I actually am. There you go. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like um, you found a really good way of tuning in and listening to yourself, which is wonderful. I think, um, I was, funnily enough, I was reflecting this morning when I walked into work, I am. Um, I listened to a guy called Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of him, anybody? Mm. I, and the reason I listened to him, don't listen to him. I actually do listen to him, Daniel, because everybody needs to listen to everybody. Um, my husband had heard something that he'd, he'd said, and he, he kind of um, he said, he, I'm not sure if I like how he speaks, but I kind of got what he was saying. And, and I listened, and it really depressed me. I felt really low. Um, He's a very educated man. He's a, a psychologist. He's a researcher. He's a writer. Um, he's full of rage, <laughs> really full of rage. And uh, and he, I, I, some of the stuff he had to say, I kind of I kind of got what he was getting at, and I'm not going to bang on about it now. But it put me in a very dark place when I arrived to teach the class because I thought if that's how if that's how men are feeling, um, and they can't and 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 they're listening to him and following him and holding him up as an icon as somebody that should be listened to and respected. This man doesn't like women, you know, and he's not interested in listening and um, he's not interested in a conversation and he wouldn't really let the woman who was interviewing him speak, kept interrupting her. Um, he was deeply patronizing um, and only could see things from his point of view. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about women. And maybe I'm generalizing. So if I am, I apologize and I hold my hands up is that, I think we do try and listen and we do want to have a conversation and we try and see things from both ways. And maybe that is generalizing. So perhaps I'm incorrect, but he really was so, I felt degraded listening to him. And and I was so upset when I came to class, I had to just turn my phone off and sit for 10 minutes and just do a compassion practice. And that's, and then that's what, and then I had to step, step into my well-being class, which is every week, Yoga for well-being is an hour and a quarter of calming the nervous system. It's very slow, very mindful. And one of the first things I say is, how are we feeling? Ask, let's ask yourself how are we feeling? How are we really feeling? And can we make space to be okay with that? So if, if it's that I'm feeling overwhelmed and emotional, let's cry. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be, feel angry. If that's how you're feeling, feel it. You know, And so making space for all the feels. And I think a lot of the time we don't, let ourselves have those experiences, those feelings that, that they, if they're uncomfortable, we pull away from them. Um, and so I taught my whole class, I gave it the mantra of bringing in love for myself, sending out compassion for others, because that's what I needed this morning after listening to Flipping Jordan Peterson being evil about women. I mean, it's just the lack of communication and the lack of compassion that was present in the dialogue that he was verbalizing. Uh, was was really hard to listen to but on the other hand I also felt I need to know it's all very well to say you know I don't like that attitude but we need to know how other people think because if we don't know we're we're shutting ourselves off also also I don't know how do you guys feel about that 
I think it's really important, like you said, Dawn, to listen to, you know, those people that you know potentially are going to trigger you. Mm. But it's about doing that with self-care and compassion around it. And sometimes, like you did this morning, we can get ourselves listening to something and then not realise the effect that it's going to have on us, which could be, you know, a whole day's worth of emotions or maybe longer than that. And it, and, and I think it's really important that we don't hide away from opposing views but it's so easy in this day and age, isn't it, to kind of listen to things and then get straight onto the next thing and not give ourselves time to process the responses mm. that we're having to it and be able to process what we've heard and be able, like you're doing now, to be able to share your visceral response to what you heard. And I think, you know, what I've noticed through lockdown particularly is there is a lot more of people speaking their mind, mm. speaking their truth, mm. and it being quite unfiltered. Mm. And I've found personally, I've had to really limit my social media watching and involvement um, because I find it comes most of the time through that for me. Um, I've chosen not to watch the news now. My news gets filtered by my husband. So I'm like, what's happening today? What do I need to know about? <laughs> Just tell me the headlines. <laughs> and that works fine for me. <laughs> I live in, a, live in a place of slight ignorance. But um, it is hard because there's so, there's, so there's so much emotion around at the moment that I, f- I feel personally that is very easy to get tipped into that place of feeling quite upset or quite overwhelmed quite quickly. Whereas actually, I think pre-lockdown, I was probably a little bit more resilient in some way, whereas actually I feel currently emotions are quite close to the surface. Mm. I don't know if that's your experience, Julia, or if yours is is different to that. So I would say for me, it it might sound like a cliche, but... um, where I find my yoga practice really, really helps is um, with react with the reactivity. Mm-hmm. So um, I share and practice breathing techniques, really, really simple relaxation techniques, movement te- actually movement techniques too, and a lot of it is related to life. I find that if I give myself the space to practice yoga nidra or to practice um, a mindful breathing practice or give myself some space for myself, which is not, you know, it was a lot easier before lockdown than it is now. um, That um, space that I've given myself enables me to be less reactive Mm -hmm. to whatever is going on around me. So if I don't practice that, and also there are times, hate to go back to the menstrual cycle but there are also times in in the cycle I think you know this is, this is something that we were talking about free going live is that there are times in my cycle or in in life where I'm I've got that touch paper much much closer mm. um and it's a real you know kind of it's a daily task to um intend to be in a space where that touch paper isn't lit, or if that touch paper is lit that um, it can be used for kind of um, 
active good so sometimes you can feel reactive or you can feel anger and actually my brother said the other day I was I was raging against something as I was talking to him and he said that's all well and good and, that, and it's great that you know you fabulous that you feel that way but look how you know like upset that's made you feel but what can you do about that you know what what can you do that makes a difference to what you've just talked about and and we kind of talked it through he's not a yoga teacher he's just a lovely brother um and out of that came an action that I could take that might make a tiny difference but could could make a difference to that and then we feel empowered through um our reaction um to something and I think that's you know those of us who've had who've been lucky enough to have positive um impacts or you know during this time maybe some of it is from taking things that we found really really tricky and not liked and thought well can, can we what can we do how can we make that easier how can we change things and I, I guess we've got a beautiful tool set that we can use in that we teach um kind of mindful movement um and we've got a connection to maybe some of the philosophies of yoga that that speak to our hearts that we can um use them to help ourselves and then maybe um make a difference um, to, to the world, world around us. You're so right, Julia. Thank you for that wisdom. And I think that's what I kind of did this morning is I came in and I felt so triggered. I felt the way he spoke to this journalist and the, the it wasn't even what he was saying because there was some truth in some of the stuff. There really was. It was how he was speaking to her. It triggered me. It reminded me of being a young woman um, without a voice and without language and without any ability to hold someone accountable for being patronizing. And I could feel, and I could feel the shock of the journalist. She couldn't believe he was speaking to her like this. And I, and I, and I had to take a moment and I had to ground myself. And I, and I thought, I'm so grateful I'm stepping into this practice now because I know that although I'm teaching it, I'm going to ground myself again and put this whole thing in context and then you create space, don't you? And when you've got space, you then have space for your wisdom to arise and to make much better choices. So we're so lucky to have our practices. Because um, I, I don't want to shut my... I don't want to be part of speaking into the, the void that is only going to reply back to me what I think. That's not going to challenge me. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to impact on the world in any kind of real meaningful way if I'm already only speaking to people who believe what I believe. What's the point in that? It's, Empty, feels empty. So, um, I, but I need to be resilient enough to be able to hear that stuff. And maybe today was the wrong day. Maybe I'm somewhere in my cycle that couldn't handle it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've no idea. I don't know where I'm in my cycle. My kids have an app for their cycle. I mean, who knew? I, it's even on your phone. It's incredible. Mm. I'm not doing that. I can barely turn the phone on. I'm not putting an app in. <laughs> anyway, let's move on away from my old age inability to use any technology. Let's talk about what you do. Tell us about the Yoga Teachers Forum, how it came to be, what it does. I'm really excited because I, I didn't know anything about this. Um, I've joined now. I'm now following you. So I'm looking forward to hearing what, it's, what it does. Great. Well, that's, that's lovely to hear. Um, so the origins of the Yoga Teachers Forum came out of um, a kind of a, a need. It, uh, there was actually local yoga teachers many years gone by and we used to kind of meet up whenever we could manage to, to sit around the coffee table and have a chat about how are we doing to support each other. And um, I really felt the need for that 
to have more of that and to maybe to have it in a, a more structured way. So um, I waited, actually, a friend of mine who runs a local studio said, oh, I'll, I'll do it, I've got a big space, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I waited and I waited and it, and it just didn't happen. So I was like, so, so many times things happen, you know, like big, big things happen in our lives because we're waiting for somebody else to do it and then they don't. And then you, we kind of fulfill our own need. So to fulfill, fulfill my own need and I was, you know, um, before lockdown, I've spent a lot of time by myself, either, you know, I'm either teaching my classes or I was on my own. I'm a sole practitioner. So I, I've always worked from my own space. I didn't even have colleagues in like a yoga studio to, to bounce ideas off. Um, so I felt that there was like a need to connect with other yoga teachers. And um, I'm based in North London and it started out that we'd run these, uh, we, I love to say, it's like the royal we, my way. It's like I would, um, but I set up monthly gatherings at my studio. I would do a huge amount of work to, you know, bring people in. I would, and the teachers would come and they would gift their time. It would be a couple of hours on a Wednesday afternoon, and um, it would be by donation. I think we started asking for a, for a donation of five pounds all the money went to shelter in those days um or 10 pounds or nothing if they couldn't you know there was it was a voluntary um donation that people brought along and we had really diverse teachers some teachers are like really brand new to teaching who decided to gift their two hours they did amazing things there was somebody who came who um had come from a background of of um substance abuse and who talked about the um how that uh, you know how she works with people with uh, who have experienced substance abuse there was um all sorts of there was somebody who did a yoga and sound thing and, and people were kind of lying all over the floor I think that we had I could fit we could just about squeeze 18 people kind of top to toe lying on top of each other <laughs> as we did that that so it was it was a real eclectic but it was you know to get people to travel and I and I've always tried to work within the the kind of constraints of my life so not weekends and evenings which I know is really unusual for yoga you know for yoga teachers not to to work for evenings and weekends um but the, the community started to slowly build and then I thought wouldn't it be lovely if we ran some trainings around that um and uh, we started to run small workshops we ran a yoga for cancer workshop we ran a, a chair yoga we ran a yoga for dementia there's a you know a few other things to kind of build and then uh, I mean, this is kind of over a few years, but then lockdown happened. And actually we had a chair yoga workshop that was due to happen. And I just said to Richard Kravitz, who ran it, let's just try and go online. Let's just see what happens when we go online. And he managed it. And then a week later, we had our monthly Wednesday afternoon forum that was due to happen. And rather than kind of between kind of eight and 12 people coming along, um, we had like 45 people because nobody had to travel anywhere. Everyone was locked down and there was this desperate need for us to kind of connect to each other. And then we started theming the um, gatherings to reflect the needs of the community. So it was like, you know, I can't even remember the titles. It was things that kind of really impacted on what was going on for us. And I just thought we, I've got an opportunity here to um, create and maintain community and, and um, we were talking again before we went live about um, communities that have thrived in lockdown. And often the communities that have, some of the communities that have thrived in lockdown have been the most ne needy or needed communities. Um, so I believe that we're one of the most needed communities. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're really needed and, and um, 
we love to give. I mean, one of the reasons why most people decide to be yoga teachers is because we love to be there for, for our community, whatever our community is. But then someone needs to be there for us. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we are not, you know, the, the amount of support that people in the corporate world get um, can be unbelievable. There, you know, often there's inbuilt mentorship, training, development. They never have to think about their tax return. They just get their payslip every week. And they're like, what is there um, that's there for us? So um, we, we, I thought about things, you know, what do we need as yoga teachers for our business support, for our personal support? And also we love training, we love learning. You know, we're, we're, we're always wanting to do, do more. So what can we do about that? And then I was also aware that some, not all, some yoga teachers are very financially secure, but some yoga teachers had absolutely had the you know, floor taken from their feet, were re- in a really financially insecure situation. So how would it be if those people who can afford to pay, pay, because why not? And why not those people who can't afford to pay know that there's an option for them to come at a reduced rate and also offer free opportunities to gather? So, you, so sometimes, often the people who are in most need don't want to ask for it mm. so why not make loads of our offerings free uh, it's an opportunity for, for us to meet each other anyway and then some of our offerings have people pay for them but those offerings that are paid for make them you know al- allow people to um, see what they can afford to pay what they feel they're able to afford to pay for those and then at the same time there's lot you know there was a huge amount of free yoga stuff that was just being thrown out to everybody um, as lockdown happened. I'm going to give everything. And that, you know, you can deplete from giving, giving, giving. And I just thought, what if um, we, we had a model where those people who can really afford it, they, they could gift some of what they earn to charities. So the Yoga Teachers Forum has, you know, it's a kind of a, a smorgasbord of my favorite charities, but you know, we've, we're nearly up to 10,000 pounds. I know, you know, some people, you know, you can look at all sorts of people who've, who've raised millions and uh, brilliantly for charity in the last year, but it's nice to have raised, raised something and, and we've supported um, charities like Bloody Good Period. I love just saying Bloody Good Period. It's a great title <laughs> for a charity that, that supports uh, menstrual education and people who can't afford menstrual products. And Binti International, we've also supported that does that on a more global scale. Women's Aid, because there, you know, there are so many um, more vulnerable women um, in, in this time due to domestic violence. Um, We've supported the Lullaby Trust because our pre and postnatal um, events have, you know, we've had loads of them. That's one of the areas that's been really, really well attended as far as our CPD training is concerned. And uh, it's selfishly, what it's done for me is um, it's kept me connected beautifully to the community, yoga community. It's how I've gotten to know Daniel um, because um, we've I've started to work with Gabby Markham, who's a, a shining light of the LGBT plus community, who's been running LGBT plus inclusion training. Um, it, kind of the more we reach out to members of our community for support for ourselves and like this sense of being together, the, the more we can look after ourselves. And it's hard. I mean, I know there's much, much harder jobs than being a yoga teacher. I'm really aware um, that anybody who's been working working on the front end and the NHS, the the amount of pressure of being in that kind of role is unbelievable. But any any giving um, 
needs a level of receiving and the more supported we can be the more good we can do in the communities around us mm. told you i could talk <laughs> <laughs> Didn't worry, Gina. i was just gonna say i just think it's so it's so it was so insightful of you to realize that actually there was and still is to a point a huge void in the connectivity between other teachers because speaking from personal experience it can be a very very lonely job to do you know you you're in and out with clients or classes and actually how often do you get to really connect with people who are doing a similar job or people that you can gain experience or run ideas past and the reason so many of us used to go to workshops in their old format was actually part of that was it was a connection wasn't it um gabby markham was saying to me the other day you know she said the most important bit of the training for her was the lunch times and the after times where you got to have a coffee and you got to share the experience and you got to talk about how it was affecting you, the training, or how that training might be, you know, used in parts of your own development or the development of people that you're working with. And I just think the fact that you've made it affordable and it's now accessible because you haven't got that location thing mm -hmm. to worry about anymore. It's just having the time to do it. I think, you know, I think that's such an amazing gift that you've given to the community. So a huge thank you and also something that you didn't you know you've mentioned but actually you allowed a space for lgbt teachers to come together and nobody's ever done that before and off of that we've now developed a lgbt mentoring program that gabby is running that i'm part of and it's groundbreaking and it's amazing and it's yeah, yeah just yeah. you know it's yeah I, I I feel like I've been enriched by being connected back to other LGBT teachers you know getting oh, teachers in a room like, is hard enough oh. finding LGBT teachers is even harder you know and you, yeah, you, I, you lit that touch paper so thank you. <laughs> it's one of the one of the I mean, there are many, many amazing things that have come, that have come out of um, running the Yoga Teachers Forum, but it has been so wonderful. To, I mean, that, that came from, uh, in January, Gabby sending me a message because I asked all the people who joined the Teachers Forum, some don't respond at all, but what would you like? What are you looking for? And she said, I'm looking for LGBT plus um, activity within the yoga community. What can you do? And I, because I knew Gabby, I contacted her and I said, well, what would you like? And would you like to run something? And then she was really brave because it's one thing being an ally and being an ally can, you know, take energy and time. But when you're part of the community that's vulnerable, standing up and being prepared to, to run something that can kind of touch your bruise points is really hard. And I can't tell you how much I smiled because um, I you know I've gone on and I've kind of looked at what she's created um, the mentorship and actually I've learned you learn when we do this when we open ourselves up to other yoga teachers we learn from each other 
so one of the things that I've learned from her and that we're going to be adding to the Yoga Teachers Forum is that um, uh, we're looking with, with some of, you know, some of the things that we run are as short as kind of one and a half hours or two hours that the paid for trainings. And what we're looking to do is maybe for like 20 minutes to half an hour after the training's taken place, give space and breadth for people to talk and chat around maybe what the topic was or other things connected to it so that they can have more of a chance or we can have a more of a chance to kind of in an unlearning environment um, chat and be together. Um, and it just, it does make a huge difference um, being part of a community because then we can learn and grow and um, thrive off of, off of each other and through each other and you know people talk about sangha as like a really small you know that that, that community feeling as being a small part or being something that we can do um but it's a huge part any any of us who kind of run local community classes know that the fact that you might walk past somebody in the street who you know from the class is kind of a, a big part of it giving people to to share you know a chance to share who they are in class is a huge part of it um, and to have that opportunity as teachers is really important and and one other uh, like an, another thing that's come out of it as well is that some of us as teachers are very have been very time poor we have you know there are a huge amount of uh, women who teach classes and and you know I might be um kind of um doing something which is sort of where we all are all but there are many people who teach classes and they have got people younger than they're looking after people older than they're looking after and they're doing a giving job as well and we don't necessarily have the time to go anywhere or even the transport to go over or the means to get back um when in our lives we, ne we don't necessarily have i can't tell you how many years it took before i used to have to like somehow managed to create a day where I had the space to go to a CPD because I had to do X number of hours to keep my, you know, that was, I felt like that was almost impossible to do when I had two young children. I was, you know, holding the fort. Um, so if, we're now in a world where online training can happen. So we're do, doing things like, for instance, um, Jenny Stone's Yoga for Cancer training um, is over six weeks. There's um, two hours of in-person time across those six weeks but there's an online platform so those that content from those six weeks is there for people to look at afterwards there's other content there's ways of interact interacting with each other outside of that time time and those of us who have those pressures of everybody needing us well maybe we can take two hours once a week for ourselves and then be part I mean those people who did that training with her it was brilliant she ran two 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 trains and she's got another one starting in June and over six weeks with two sets of of groups she had um the one that she ran it that started in January those people are now connected to each other they were connected to each other across a six-week period that is so different to being together with people for a long weekend or for a whole day you've got space and time to build relationship mm -hmm. over that. And hopefully, you know, I, I'm, you know we, I, we would love all sorts of things to change. Um, you know, like the ability to sit in a garden with a friend of ours would be like one of the first things I'd like to change. <laughs> um, but I'd like this to, to kind of grow that opportunity of people who 
can't afford the train fare, don't, you know, don't have the time to get to those lovely weekend retreat trainings, can't afford, um, a, you know, a, an expensive thing. Um, for, the, for, for those of us who are in those situations, for that to be a con to continue, um, you know, that is, that is kind of a real wish and a hope um, and a dream that I will continue to have. I think it's, um, it, I couldn't agree more. I think it's beautiful what you're doing and the, this offering. And it's, I, I've spoken about this before. I think that yoga is deeply elitist um, in terms of the trainings. It, it's really hard to be able to afford good quality training unless you are, you know, quite well off. Um, it, it's absolutely, if you've got a young family, very, very challenging, near, nigh impossible to go away and do a residential without feeling huge guilt and then um, even if you can afford it, I mean, the guilt I used to feel leaving my three kids and I've always done loads of trainings. And, you know, I was talking about this the other day to one of my stepsons, actually, I was saying, I've been in debt for the best part of living 20 years, paying off trainings every year. There's always a credit card bill while I'm catching up on my CPD. Um, because every time you go away for training, you're not working, you're not earning money and you're paying childcare potentially etc and you're paying for a b&b &B, and you're paying for your train fare except and, and then it'll take you a year to catch up and by that time there's something else you've got to do and you know the world's evolving isn't it we are I, I was a wee bit resistant i have to say i was kind of like oh online training not sure how i feel about that but having now done a proper online training i did one with uma i did um the eight day pregnancy yoga training it was flipping brilliant i mean it was it was in my little cabin I had my whole little studio set up and um, we got long breaks so I could go and back connect with my family. Um, we, I had time in the evenings to do my homework and uh, we, you know, we still connected. We were put in little breakout rooms. So we had our little person that we met with. We met lots of different people through the period of the eight weeks, eight, eight days, sorry. We had a mentor, we had a WhatsApp group. If anything, it felt deeper than being in person because there was no distractions. Mm. It was just mm. me, the training, and all these little things set up in place. I mean, nothing beats, you know, hands-on, you know, watching somebody teach right in front of you. you know, well, that's helpful, you know, to be able to stand in front of somebody and demonstrate your practice when you're learning how to teach. Um, but we still manage that. You know, we put we had the screen on us or we did our demonstration teaching and we got critique and... It was super brilliant. It was absolute. It was wonderful. So I think I, I feel much more tooled up to be able to do further trainings going forward because that cost me a third of what it would normally cost me, maybe even less. So I think, if, and, and I'm not, you know, in a position in my life where I can't afford to do those things anymore because I'm quite old. So I know, you know, you're in a different position as you get older. But for younger people and people with young families and maybe money's a little bit tighter, this is going to make such a difference. Yeah, well, I was going to just yeah. come back to this. Um, you've trained with Uma already. Can you talk a little bit about what it was you did with her, what your passions are around women's health and how that, how, how you, how that came about for you? Yeah. Um, so my main teachers have been female throughout my training. I think, uh, I think John Sturt's probably my major influence wasn't a woman, um, but Lolly was a you know, Lolly Sturt is the reason behind his his teaching in the first place. So it's been very female centered um, all along. Um, I read Yoni Shakti 
years, you know, when it first came out, and that had a really big influence on me. Actually, I'd heard Uma was on my radar for a long time before that, but for just the reasons that you've said, I actually couldn't make it across London. So I've always been in North London. She was only in South London, but it can take an hour. And how was I going to do that with a baby in tow or a top? I just couldn't work out in my head how I could find, get myself. I think she was in Bermondsey um, or uh, like somewhere in South London before she moved, moved to, to South. I just couldn't do it. Um, and then further along the line, um, I did manage to, to spend time with her. Um, I luckily, she, I think she, when she was on your podcast, she said she was a writer to you. She's very clearly a writer. Um, I, when I read Yoni Shakti, it was when Kindles first came out and I actually downloaded it on the Kindle. I had no idea it was this massive tome. I just read it from beginning to end um, and it read beautifully. And I was like, okay, I can't actually see the pictures. I'm gonna have to buy the book. I'm thinking, I want, maybe there are loads of teachers out there who bought her book three times, but I think I've bought her book at least the same one. Um, and I loved it. And actually what one of the things I loved about reading Yoni Shakti was um, it's got a very, very detailed bibliography. And um, it, she, it goes through the phases of a woman's life or, a, a, you know, somebody who, who the cycles, the, the life cycles. And um, I, I think I've read almost every book on the bibliography as well. I'm a bit of a, of a um, boffin in that way. And I, through reading that, and um, she's actually... Um, be, I mean, there's been all, been all sorts of um, uh, unfortunate and horrible um, sort of sexual indiscretions that have occurred within the Beehill School, which is one of the reasons why um, her and Elipta left. And one of the um, starting factors of her Yoni Shakti, the movement, do look for Yoni Shakti, the movement. The, it's a, a movement to eradicate the abuse of women in yoga that was founded by Uma. Um, but um, because she kind of comes from that tradition, and so do I, I think Nerelipta, um, kind of uh, my teacher, Barbara Joseph, was kind of a, a contemporary and colleague and friend of Nerelipta back in the day. Um, that's Uma's um, husband. And when I read Yoni Shakti, a lot of the content of it felt very, very familiar, um, even though it kind of had a very Uma-ish spin on it. I think when you come from the same tradition or your, your kind of your roots uh, feel similar, a lot of the practices um, were similar. And I also, um, a lot of the um, therapeutic practices um, that she shares, I was very familiar with. So the book felt very familiar to me. And then when I went on to train with her, I also delved deep into the work of um, Alexandra Pope. And she's really kind of like the, she, I don't know whether she's old enough to be the grandmother of, but she's kind of like the founding mother of menstruality, um, for us, together with um, an amazing woman called Jane Bennett. So they were both based in Australia. Um, Alexandra is now over here. Um, and the whole idea of um, understanding that the menstrual cycle is a key component of our, you know, of my life as a woman. I, you know, I sort of started my bead at 10. May not, uh, you know, who knows when I'll end my bead. I'm in perimenopause at the moment. But as soon as I understood my body in terms of my menstrual cycle, it, it, meant, it made a huge amount more sense. Um, a lot more sense than somebody just saying, oh, don't do headstands or inversions, or they didn't even tell us not to do hot yoga. Um, not that I've ever stepped into a hot yoga studio. I've got low blood pressure, and that would just cause me to faint the second I stepped in. And I've never really done any massive vinyasa flowy stuff. Um, but the women's health therapy training with Uma was brilliant. 
Alexandra Pope's uh, and Shani, she now works in partnership with Shani Hugo Wurlitzer. Red School are just fantastic. And then as soon as I got into the menstruality world, I kind of, so many of my closest friends now are kind of menstrual circle awareness um, people. And actually Gabby's introduced me in, to LGBTQ plus um, menstrual circle awareness as well. So, you know, I, I kind of, it broadens every day um, and I love it. I love having big, long conversations with people about menstrual cycles. Um, friends of mine, you know, anybody who remotely knows me, who has a child who's coming into Menarch and who's, going, who's likely to have their first period. I have conversations around sexual literacy with them, body literacy, um, what the menstrual cycle means, eco-feminism. Um, it, it just, it, it kind of, it is, a massive, massive part of who I am. It impacts on my, like the way that I teach is completely um, affected by the menstrual cycle. I've just finished um, teaching uh, a menstrual cycle therapeutics live course. It's, a, it's a, We've also got it available or, or as, as something that we could, you can do online. It's got hours and hours of content because um, myself and Jane Dancy just couldn't shut up about it. Um, and. It also, I mean, I can't imagine going into perimenopause without um, menstrual cycle literacy. I think it would be like stepping off a cliff for me if I if I didn't have, have that. I think it's like stepping off a cliff for many of us, regardless of whether you have it. But step off that cliff with like maybe a parachute of um, of an understanding. And what I've never really understood, like accessible yoga surely accessible yoga is about yoga for everybody for, for all the bodies that are there well if those bodies have got wounds and those bodies bleed and those bodies have got breasts that change shape um, throughout the monthly cycle um, and those bodies ache in certain ways at, at certain times in the cycle or are incapacitated in certain ways and sometimes or full of energy and power and you know all of that well that's what we're working with we're working with our bodies so let's really recognize um the bodies that are, are, are there so that's a bit of a passion <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say julia isn't it just so you know if you look back at you know who are currently heralded as the you know the great masters of yoga they're all men Mm. what do they know about a menstrual cycle other than don't stand on your head once a month you know <laughs> you know they didn't experience it and I can't begin to understand what what it must be like to have to go through that on a monthly basis but I've chosen to read Yoni Shakti and Brilliant. you know yeah. I, I've I've chosen to educate myself because actually a lot of women come to me for support so it's really important exactly. although I can't exactly. live that experience I understand what that experience is but the whole problem with yoga up until very recently was women's problems were eradicated out of the situation and weren't spoken about and good on yeah. you women for bringing these subjects up and saying, actually, this isn't right. This doesn't fit with me. <laughs> I need something yeah. more or I need to be listened yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and you know what? 
all power to you for reading Yoni Shakti because you know what, 80% of the people in the room, 90 maybe, uh, uh, have female bodies and menstrual cycles or, or don't have menstrual cycles or might be trying to get pregnant and they might, they might not identify, they might, they might be non-binary, but they've got a female physiology and they um, need to be cared for. If somebody's coming to your class and they're, they're, they want to get pregnant, then we have a responsibility, a real responsibility to look after that body that's in the room. Um, you know, if there's somebody in the class and they're and like, for instance, if somebody comes to your class and they're experiencing a hot sweat, what do you do? How do you care for that person? Because that is our fundamental responsibility. We've, you know, they've come into our space to be looked at. I, I know that part of our responsibility is to give people the tools to look after themselves and that there is a level of, of responsibility for self that needs to be there. But often there's a level of unconsciousness um, in all of us, you know, when most people or, or many of us, when we first step onto that yoga mat, we're not, you know, we're not conscious. We don't, we don't know that we're breathing up here. We don't know how our body feels. So if the person in the room can normalize what our bodies are going through, then what a gift we've got to give to people. Mm. I was just reflecting that, um, there's been such a lot of shame around women's bodies for centuries, really. You know, having a period was seen as shameful and dirty um, and, um, you know, hidden away and not allowed to do things. And, you know, not, not, there's an invitation, you know, to, I always say to people, you know, if your body telling you when you're on your period or wherever you are in your cycle, it shows up for different people in different ways that you need to rest and respect that. You've got energy, respect that. Let's follow your flow. Let's tune in enough to notice. But um, there, was a, there, ha, there has been throughout centuries this idea that there's something wrong with you because you bleed, um, rather than seeing it as this incredible superpower that it is. And I think yoga actually, in many ways, have, has treated women very poorly, not just for the fact that, you know, the senior teachers, if we hark back, are male, and that women often weren't allowed to practice for a start for a long time. And that, you know, nobody bothered to find out, well, well how is a yoga practice going to help a female? And how can we adapt the practice? Um, you know, and I think it's our, it's our job now to, to kind of call that out and say, you know, not as wonderful what Uma's doing and many other teachers are doing, you know, calling out the abuses that have happened to women and men, actually, throughout um, throughout. Uh, the practices of yoga across the world um but it's our job to like make it a safe space and to and to 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 stop shaming women for having our period we should be able to speak about it we should be open about it it's, you know the sun goes up the sun comes down we bleed we stop bleeding you know get over it yeah i i you know i totally agree and you might look at the content of some of the yoga teachers from training and think gosh this is a little bit skewed in fact somebody has said that to me this is really skewed towards women and their bodies somebody said to me i was like mm. and sorry uh 90 of people who come to your classes are aliens um and you know, we we run yoga for pcos yoga for endometriosis um we're just doing we're um, putting together a but actually one of the things that i would really really love to bring up is um one of the um shining lights one of the originators of um yoga for pregnancy with lolly sturkin that well i'm sure it may have been before that but she was kind of like there in the 1960s um making things better for women's bodies giving birth i mean she's just an amazing amazing woman um and it's, that's one of the kind of key ways that, work, that yoga became about the female body. 
it, it became about the body, you know, a body that became pregnant and then gave birth. And how we can use breathwork and movement and relaxation and yoga philosophy to, to an extent as well to support those people who are at such an, a powerful and amazing and vulnerable time in their lives. And then I kind of feel that from that, so many of the therapeutic modalities of yoga have come. Um, and by it becoming a, oh, well, what do I do when I'm pregnant? Now, a lot of people think, oh, I'm pregnant. I need to go to yoga. It's kind of one of the things that pops into people's minds. So all that we need to do is catch up with that. So yoga has become a brilliant way to empower women through pregnancy, birth and postnatally. So we're just catching up by, with that by doing menstrual psychotherapeutic training, yoga for perimenopause training, um, supporting people with, you know, understanding hormones. All of those things are like catching, catching up. Um, you know, a really, I, I, go, I bang on about breasts a lot because um, I know somebody, you know, I'm sure many of us know many, many people who've experienced breast cancer. Certainly when you get to, I'm in my late 40s, I have got friends who've experienced breast cancer. I know people in the older generations of me who've had breast cancer. Like it's, it's everywhere if you look for it. I think once you know someone who's experienced it, it's everywhere. And the, the idea of breast care through yoga is so important and I know that um, men can experience chest cancer as well so so breast and chest care like understanding the the, the lymph nodes and and how it feels underneath the arms how our bodies what we might want to be wearing when we're um, practicing is really important and um, also understanding breast cancer and people like it was it's amazing once you kind of have an awareness of it you will suddenly become aware that there are people in our classes who've had breast cancer. So they may have had a mastectomy. How does that affect the way that they practice? They might be, you know, sometimes you'll have someone come to your class and they've got really short hair and it looks really stylish. That can often be a sign that somebody's had chemotherapy. And, like, and, and often people don't want to talk about it as well. They just want to be normal and in your general yoga class. But how would it be if we had an understanding of, of what that experience was um, for people? And actually, um, if you're brave enough as a woman, and, and I, Daniel's been brave enough to read Yoni Shakti, we have people who have penises in our classes as well. Um, testicular cancer is also a, a, you know, a, a huge issue. Um, understanding how to look after the pelvic floor from a male perspective or from a, from a male physiology perspective, like, one of the reasons why women haven't been served in yoga is because men are scared of the female body. They're talking like, I can't recognise there there's a female body in the room. Well, we've also got responsibility as a woman to, under, to understand the male physiology that's in the room and, um, and also have care around that as well. So those people who are non-binary, who attend classes or who teach, um, it, you know, it's understanding that the bodies that are there and how to care for the bodies that are there and also the minds that are there. And we're not only, we're, we're, we're a lot more, you know, our coaches and you know, we're, more, we're a lot more than our physiology, but kind of, if you think about the chakras, you start with the root and like being in our bodies and what our bodies are, that can be kind of our first touchstone of feeling okay. It's like, I can feel my feet on the earth. So whose feet are there? And, and what, do those, what do those feet need? yeah <laughs> thank you so much for that that's it's just so helpful to hear 
that art articulated so so beautifully one of the things you said that really jumped out to me a minute ago is about um people perhaps not wanting to acknowledge it oh there's a woman there's a woman's body in the room or oh there's a male body in the room but rather they they kind of want to generalize everything but actually that's just that comes again from shame you know an objectification of of female and male stereotypes and but that that isn't acceptable you know in in the world in the in the ancient scriptures and in, and in the world that is yoga practice we want to love and respect each other and the only way we can do that is by having open and honest and frank conversations and we can't know what somebody else is thinking feeling or experiencing without being comfortable enough and safe enough to ask and explore and surely if we can't do that within our practice we need to ask ourselves why and have a look at, at what's going on for for us as individuals and us as an industry i don't know i can see you're nodding daniel do you have anything to add oh, i just completely agree with what you're saying dawn i think you know we have to have done the work within ourselves to be able to ask those questions and know that the answer that you'll get probably isn't going to be a very easy answer mm-hmm. you know and having 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 the capacity to be able to support somebody who may be really ill or may just be having a really bad day, you know, is is equally valid. You know, it's being able to hold that space because ultimately that is why people come to yoga is to have that space held for them by someone else that they trust. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and also it's okay, it's okay to be where we are as well. So one of the reasons why we, we run, you know, the menstrual cycle therapeutic, come and join if you don't feel comfortable talking about your menstrual cycle, come and join it is you know, to, to help people, we want to help people gain that literacy. One of the reasons why the cancer training is so important to us is that we want to help people with that literacy. But work, you know, I also believe that people have like an innate, you know, that the first time you step on the yoga mat as a teacher, um, you there's a reason why you're there and you can make a difference from the word go if you work with what you feel comfortable with. So if what you know to teach is I don't know, you, you know how to teach alternate nostril breathing and you practice it and it benefits you and you love it and you want to share that, then practice sharing that. It's not going to do any harm to anybody, especially if you do it without hands and you just go, imagine you're breathing in one side and breathing out another and, and practice your use of language. It's like, start and see, well, how comfortable does this feel on my tongue? Does this feel okay for me to, you know, I, I am really comfortable with using certain language now, but I maybe wasn't at the beginning. There, there, you know, there was a time when things weren't as comfortable on my tongue. Um, so we don't have to be, you know, other we'll get imposter syndrome and we'll freeze and we yes. won't share anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and also recognize where we need to learn as well. I, you know, there's le- we always need to learn. That, that was actually a major motivating factor of, of setting up the forum. I wanted to learn and there weren't opportunities for me to. Um, so, you know, that's a really good mm. thing too. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to say, it's, you know, if so often we are taught about yoga from a place of fear, even within the teaching that is offered, you know, and, and we, I know we do need to have parameters around safeguarding people with practices. However, a vast majority of yogic practices are quite okay to do with most people. 
And we're pretty resilient <laughs> in terms of, you know, who we are and our reactions. And we will know pretty quickly if something doesn't feel right. So it's about having that responsibility as a practitioner to be able to say, okay, I've tried what that teacher's told me and it doesn't quite feel right. So I'm going to stop rather than yeah. carrying on and feeling like you have to carry on because you're in that, that pack that if you drop out or if you do something different, you're going to be made to feel or you're going to be abused in some way by the yoga teacher or the rest of the group for not doing that practice. And that's where I think we all need to be within our yoga spaces is it's okay for everything to be okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I kind of think that's why um, we do it. We do a little bit of work around kind of people um, as yoga teachers working their muscle of letting people know who they are as teachers. So we're, we're running madly. We're running Instagram training this week. Um, but actually if people know who we are, they've got more of an idea of whether they'd like to spend time with us in a studio. So I know that I turned some people off. Um, I particularly turned people off who want to have a kind of vigorous practice, do a vinyasa flow, go, go, go. They're not going to stay with me. If they're, it, it, like, that's not a practice that I, that I share. But my goodness, there are practices out there that are like that that will suit them so if those people who've got those skills can let people know that they're there and feel confident about it then that's a brilliant thing too um so i would you know one of the things i love is is kind of encouraging yoga teachers to be who they are let people know who they are and then have people make the choice of whether they want to you know come once see if you like it if you don't like it I'll still love you if you don't come back. That kind of, that kind of feeling, yeah. Holding that space for so many yoga teachers comes with its <laughs> comes with its joys, but also its tolls as well, Julia. And a question that we ask everybody is, how do you take care of yourself? What is your self care routine? Um, and you know what does that look like and how does it allow you to hold this amazing space that you've created there's a there's a lot and I don't always do everything that I should and could um, for me it's really really important and this is part of my yoga to have a support network around me that is really really of, of paramount importance I'm lucky enough to have a family support network for myself which is key because I feel grounded if you I think it's the polyvagal theory about um, that bottom rung so that bottom rung is secure for me of, of family and then um, above that um, rung is, is my support network within my um, community of friends maybe outside of yoga so that I can go, I can step outside of the, the yoga world and be with people who don't even know what it is that I'm doing. And often they laugh at it. And that kind of grounds me because they don't know what I do or, or who I am. I don't care. And they know that I teach yoga, but who cares? Um, and then I've got my support network within the yoga community. So I've got a couple of people. There you go. I knew my cat would join me then. I had my dog join me. Now my cat has. Um, so I've got listening partners um, with 
uh, within the yoga community, they're friends, but they're also, so with that, it's, it's space on a really regular basis, like a minimum of once a week, where we give each other um, 20 minutes, half an hour of listening without judgment, and then listening without judgment. Um, I've got, I'm really lucky because I run the yoga teachers forum that I've got the yoga community. So I've got a constant exchange of ideas. And this, and I, I know that it's like, really, this is self-care. It is self-care. Having people to talk about, about the work that I do is self-care. Otherwise it's just all in my head. Um, so that is self-care too. Also, if you saw my, my space, I'm really lucky. I've got space. Every space there is in the space that I've got, there's probably a yoga mat down there. And that's because if I see a yoga mat, I'll probably lie down on it <laughs> and move around. So it's like a, a constant reminder um, to, do, to do my practice. But also I've learned not to be married to my practice because um, I've, I've had chronic illness issues throughout my life. And if, if you're married to your practice, then sometimes your practice can take over what you need, which is really weird. It's like, I've got to do my practice, I've got to do, but actually maybe sometimes the practice isn't the thing. Um, so I, I love that I, that I have my practice um, and that I can go to my practice and that it's kind of in my DNA. It's been around for so many years that it's in my DNA. But for instance, in lockdown, what I needed most when it first happened was just to walk. And I walked and walked and walked with my dog for miles and miles and miles. That's what I needed. I needed to be outside. I needed to be in the fresh air. I needed that much more than I needed my yoga mat. So, um, you know, self-care comes in. I would really, uh, you know, like, I think yoga starts to happen when we take it off the mat. You know, if it's only in that hour and a half that we get in a week for ourselves... God, sometimes you might not get that time. So um, what I've learned is, can I, can I create snippets? And I get it wrong. And I have moments when I shout and I have moments when I just haven't looked after myself as well. Um, I'm human. Um, so my practice isn't always there. And I don't have a, you know, I'm not a, a monk who can hide up in, especially now, God, I used to have so much more, more time and space for me. I don't think my house has been uninhabited since last March there's always been somebody here um so you know I haven't had that little cocoon to do my you know I'm not going to be out like anyone know about yoni egg practice you need your own space for a yoni egg practice because you need to know that that door's not going to open so there are some self-care practices that aren't happening right now because the door's likely to open and someone's going to come in um but hopefully like that's probably why I've used the outdoors a lot more and actually today um in the last couple of days it's been warm enough to walk barefoot on the grass so I was like oh come on barefoot on the grass <laughs> that's been lovely to be able to do that yeah Julia thank you so much for today it's just I love the enthusiasm and just love what you've done for our community. It's amazing. So I'm really appreciative for your time and for what you've done. And I would thoroughly encourage any yoga teachers listening to this to join up to the Yoga Teacher Forum and to see what Julia and the rest of the people that are offering those trainings for the forum are, are all about. So thank you so much. Thank you. And well, you can join our Yoga Teachers Forum community. We're on Facebook. If you look for the Yoga Teachers Forum group, 
that's where all the community action's happening. That's where our li- a lot of our live events happening. That's how you can meet people. And then if you go onto the Yoga Teachers Forum website, there's a little box that comes up. And if you sign up there, then you can find out about all, like, all our free stuff, all the mailings go out. So it's a lovely way of kind of finding out um, what's going on. So there's kind of the two ways. There's kind of the being in the community in the ether that is social media. I do try with Instagram, I'm not so good. Um, and then there's the website, which contained all our stuff. And I would love, every yoga teacher is welcome, whatever your community, whether you're just starting out teaching, you've got your mat out for the first time, whether you've been teaching for 40 years, whoever you are, if you like sharing yoga practice, then you're welcome to be with us. Thank you so much, Julia. Been wonderful to have this conversation. And as I've said to everybody we've had on so far, there's, there's such richness, we're going to have to have you back. More to talk I'd about at like time. I think maybe next season we'll revisit a few things and Daniel take things deeper, dive deeper, mm. deeper into Absolutely. topics. That's, that's, <laughs> that's where I, I sense we're going. Let's hand that back to you, Daniel, to round up. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you for your wisdom as ever today. Thank you, Julia, for your time and what you've set up. Um, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do go on to the Apple app or via their store and leave us a review. If there's things that you want us to um, do or talk about on the podcast, then please do let us know. If you didn't like it, then give us your feedback. It's really, really important that we that we hear from you. Um, We've got a really, really interesting conversation happening um, next time with a yoga teacher called Jess Glennie, who has specialised in yoga around hypermobility. She's a yoga teacher, a yoga therapist. She does a huge amount of work around yoga um, for people that have been traumatised. And um, really looking forward to chatting with Jess. She's a, she really knows her stuff and I'm really excited about that conversation. So until next time, Julia, thank you. Dawn, thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Take care.